Welcome to Flow with Armand Asadi. Welcome, welcome, beautiful people. A quick announcement about a huge giveaway that I talk about at the end of this episode. So we're going to dive into the episode today with my friend Mo Bunnell, the author of The Snowball System, How to Win More Business and Turn Clients into Raving Fans. I dove super deep with Mo today about all things business development and sales. And so this conversation is going to be extremely valuable for anybody who ever has to build relationships, win clients, bring in more business, whether you're in real estate or you're an attorney or you're in sales or you're an entrepreneur, e-commerce, whatever it might be. There's really something for every type of solopreneur and entrepreneur in this. At the end of this episode, I have a giveaway and Mo one-upped it by adding something of his own that is a $4,000 value training that he has that he's also going to give to that same person. So we're giving away a copy of his book and access a seat in his training program, which I think he said was $4,050 per seat. And he'll even speak with you one-on-one. So details at the end of this episode on how to uh, win that. And with that said, enjoy this conversation with Mo Bunnell. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you are listening. And uh, please subscribe as well to YouTube and hit that little notification bell. We'll be dropping the video there as well. All right. Peace. So our mutual friend raved about you. And I love that guy. Dave is just absolutely the man. And um, how do you know Dave? Well, he helped write uh, the book proposal for Snowball System, and then we landed a big, ah. a great agent, and then a great publisher, and it's just had an enormous impact on our business. So, you know, in the, in fact, I like the uh, the book proposal process so much. I actually hired Dave as like a personal editor, uh-huh. so he and I would hammer out a chapter like seriously, like 10, 12, 15 iterations. Then we'd give it to the Hachette editor, and then she would give us feedback. We do five or six more rounds. So. I wow. think the reason the book's won a ton of awards is just like the the sheer effort <laughs> that we put into it and his expertise. Too. Yeah. Well, he's a yeah. phenomenal writer and editor. Um, and actually, that's exactly how I connected with him. So he did our book proposal uh, yeah. as well. And we just got our deal and now going through that process and I'm writing, I'm on chapter two right now. Woo! And uh, <laughs> yeah, it's wild. <laughs> what's the What's the topic? Uh, so the book is called Unleashed, yeah. and um, essentially it's a personalized roadmap um, to fulfillment. It's It goes through every area of life. We created an assessment, and it's kind of like uh, something akin to Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder meets what color is your parachute, you know, yeah, something in like that it. direction. So you know, people buy the book, they get a code to the online assessment. It took us four and a half years just to create that assessment. Um, yeah, it was wild. And then, so the book is sort of the, what now, you know, you take an assessment, you take any sort of personality quiz and you're left wondering, well, what to do with that information. So that's what the book aims to address. Let's look at relationships. Let's look at focus. There's a personalized path to each one of these things based on your elements, as we call them. So that's the book. <laughs> I like it, dude. So if I can help in any way or uh, take a look at it, write a blurb or whatever, you just you just let me know. Thank you so Quote much. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 very much in a state of like this is going to be hard work, and I'm oh, like yeah. sleeves rolled up, ready for it. I've worked with so many authors in the past, and finally doing my own. And 
you know, everybody says like, you know, making a baby. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Yeah. um, and so I, I, uh, I'm ready for it. I appreciate that very much. And no, let I me actually, know as well, you know, I actually tracked, this was in, this might be helpful for you, especially where you're at. I actually tracked my hours and in the very various components of the project, you know, all the way from mm -hmm. book proposal, all the way through marketing and launch day and all that. Um, and if it's helpful, I'll shoot you a little video that, that breaks it down. And one thing like mm -hmm. I didn't expect was I spent, I think I'll have to go back and look at the numbers, but I think I spent as much time on the marketing side of it as I did the writing the book side. Really? And a lot mm -hmm. of people totally underestimate that. Like you've yes. already got, you've already got websites and platforms and all that stuff. But, but even so there's this book launch angle to it. Right. Um, Cause I had those things too, but I'm happy to share that. It's helpful that for would planning, be like how much awesome. I ended up doing a lot of nights and weekends because I didn't know how long it would take and nobody had numbers like this. And our agent, Lisa Demona, she's like, nobody's ever tracked this. I don't know what to tell you. So I tracked it. Um, so happy to share that if you want. Much appreciated. I will definitely uh, take you up on that. I love frameworks, tools, anything that can guide the process for me makes a big difference. I'm I'm very much uh, uh, intentional with my planning and how I structure my days. So I, I would love, I would love that. It'd be pure chaos without it, with the amount of stuff I'm trying to accomplish. Um, I'm curious, what was the most effective thing for you in terms of marketing so far? Like where, what effort was the 80, 20? Uh, I think giving away digital assets. Um, we did all kinds of things, everything from, a, uh, the book's called Snowball System. So we had a snowball squad, like a street team and yes. lot, lots of things worked. And of course, you know, that old marketing mantra, you know, that, you know, we know half our marketing works. We don't know which, which half. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so mm -hmm. some of this isn't measurable, but some of it is. But I really think downloading, you know, having time limited, very valuable, you get X digitally if you buy mm. Y copies kind of stuff. I mean, that's just where it's at. That's James Clear probably wrote yeah. the playbook on that and yeah. he crushed it. And I think it's, I think if I, for book number two, I'll go heavier on the digital and less on everything else. Okay. That's awesome. Wonderful. It's funny, Gary V's launching his next book right now and he's doing something very similar, but in the end, he, you know, as you may have seen, has his own NFT project and um, he's incentivizing people to buy 12 copies to receive a special digital asset. So he's very specific in that way as well. And it's all digital incentives and I can see why people yeah, love them. Automated, yeah. you know, everything else, right? Scalable. Once, scales, yeah, right. absolutely. Bingo. So, so speaking of, of, of generally deal making and getting yourself or your idea out there, where I wanted to start with you is obviously the area of your expertise, which yeah. I find incredibly, incredibly fascinating. So, Here's where I sit in the overall uh, uh, a sort of world of, of how you might think. I'm one of those people that had a natural skill set for business development and sales. And sure, I've had training through the companies that I worked for before I ever became an entrepreneur. I worked at 3M and worked at Google. And before that, I just kind of did all kinds of other types of business development and sales and sort of more training on the go. But very limited, you know, sort of formal training for these things. And very few people attempt to create a framework in particular for business development. Uh, yeah. You see this a lot for sales. You don't really see it for business development. So yes. 
I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I'm very much a people person. I think that a lot of it, um, you know, people unfortunately have to sort of figure it out the hard way. And what you are obviously doing is taking these sort of elusive uh, aspects to how we build relationship, how we deliver value and making them tangible. So can you walk me through at a high level, please, what the overall uh, vision for everything you're doing is and how it works. Yes. Yes. So I think Armand, the, the, what, what most people think of when they think of sales is like this, I've got stuff and I'm pushing it on you. Like we all see it from the other side, right? The left brain limbic system has this fight or flight mechanism that says, you know, I, I either need to fight or I need to run. And when, when we feel we're being sold to, we want to run. It is this limbic system, visceral reaction. And I think there's a good definition of sales that that isn't that way, but that's what we've got in our head. In our world, business development is the complete opposite of that. It's it's painting a picture for what a better future for all involved, us, our partners, our colleagues, our clients, everybody we work with, and helping proactively and intentionally shaping and building that future so that people are better off because we're around. And it doesn't matter to me if they pay us for advice or if they if they don't pay us. I mean, of course, we'd rather have people pay us. Yeah. But but I want to help people and we teach people to help people when they're looking for a job, when they just need advice about how to re- reorg their department, when they just need a, a joke and they need to laugh a little bit. Those are mm-hmm. sort of the unpaid ways we can help. But then in the paid ways we, we can help, we've got some deep expertise. And we if we actually believe we're decent at it, we owe it to people to find them, to be helpful to them, to tell them about it, and to, and to influence their world in the people around them so that they hire us for more because the more they hire us for, the more we can help them. And every single mm-hmm. thing we teach is on that good side of business development in every single step somebody needs, every single skill, every bit of science behind it we've uncovered. And we just help them realize how do you do that really efficiently. Wow. You know, this one piece, so much of what you said is just gold, but this one piece that you just mentioned, I've talked about as well. And I think it's one of the most, um, it's not even that it's underrated. It's that it's just not a very well known concept that yes, of course, I think we all have felt what you talked about when we are being sold to, or, or, or we are selling somebody on something and they run or we run or we get kind of that, like not in the stomach. And it's just, it gets, it just becomes defensive. Like immediately yeah. I'm defensive. What do you want from me? What's your true intentions here? I thought we were just talking. <laughs> so that definitely happens. And there's a simple concept of like, okay, just do more of like a take it or leave it approach. That'll make it a little bit more casual. And look, this is what I have to offer. But what you said, I think is fundamentally a better approach. It's like this idea of a lot of people experience this uh, sort of um, internal conflict where they know they have worked so hard to create a product or a service or whatever it might be. And when it's time to actually deliver it, they're very hesitant. There's a way to, quote, sell that is so authentic because it comes from this like inner part of your being where you're certain that you are helping another person by providing this thing of value. And that is such a, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be very specific with my words for myself here because I kind of learn as I talk as well, but it's like, 
it comes from a place of certainty and and it comes from a place of integrity with the self and when we don't deliver what we know is good for others we're kind of doing disservice to not just to ourselves but to them and this is the nuance and this is the thing i've told people before and it, and it helps people click and go like yeah i guess i would be it would be a disservice to not tell them about what i have so how did how do you teach that? How do you uncover that? Because I don't hear people talking about this like ever. Yeah, and I think that's why we have a thriving business <laughs> because yeah. you know there's all this like there's all these sales books or methodologies or training. Again, we're both doing. If people are on audio or listening, you know, we're doing air quotes every time we say sales, mm -hmm. which I'm I'm right there with you. I do the same thing, but there's lots of stuff out there about how to you know almost like you get some guy to to sign a somebody a guy or gal to sign a contract you know, at the big fancy steakhouse with a fancy mold block pen. And then, you know, you run the other way and you never talk to them. And that's, that's in air quotes, again, the selling side of it. That's, that's the bad version. I've got this stuff and I want to push it on you, but we already defined the good version of it. And the way that we teach people to do it is to follow an approach. And I'll just give you four steps, Armand, that, that work like a charm. This is so, one of the found very foundational things of the things with the, with, that we teach in our training. Yeah. Listen and learn, create curiosity, build everything together, gain approval. Those are the four. Listen and learn. When we start with the other side, step one, and we just really thoughtfully ask some questions about what they're trying to accomplish. Now, we've got an expertise, too. We can, we can help shape this discussion. But if we can start with them, what the brain research shows, I know you love brain research, yeah. um, Dr. Diana Tamiris found that in functional MRI testing, blood oxygenation levels in the brain, that when people are, are providing their own perspective, it lights up what scientists call the pleasure center of the brain. Like literally mm. people are on a high when they're sharing their perspective. That's <laughs> what happens in Listen and Learn. We have the ability to, to, to put, literally put them on a high as we learn about their goals. That's step one. So we're actually putting, like, if we've got PowerPoints or stuff that we've got, we're like right. putting that aside. We don't even care. Like, that's not the point right now. We're looking to be helpful. The way we do that is by asking some great questions, finding out their priorities. Step two, create curiosity. That's where we can start to turn the lens back on us. If there's ways we can be helpful unpaid, we want to create curiosity around those. Ways that are paid, great. Create curiosity around those. Curiosity turns out is an intrinsic motivator. So people like to experience it. They don't need a reward. Um, Dr. Matthias Gruber has found that people remember more when they were curious. They're leaning in. They're, they're not a heightened sense of awareness. So when we can tuck in our solutions underneath the words and the priorities we learned as somebody shares their perspective from yeah. step one, we're gold. That's when we can move to step three of the four, build everything together. Science there is awesome. It's called the Ikea effect, named after the Swedish retailer, mm -hmm. Michael Norton at Harvard, all-star team of researchers, found a mental heuristic that found we, we buy into what we help create. So now if we can get some little incremental yeses on how we would actually solve things for them, how to do that, how, what a project would look like, how our solution would work, how, how we would stand up an outsourcing arrangement, whatever it is. Um, but if we can start to let them fiddle with timing and and uh, the team that might be in it or some how we would word it, how we deploy it, things like that, those incremental yeses 
lead to the big yes at end at the end, which is gain approval. So those four steps in that order are incredibly powerful according to neuroscience. We listen and learn first, put them on a pedestal and learn their priorities and their words. We create curiosity about how we might to help unpaid, paid, I don't care. We're just trying to find meaningful ways of follow-up, showing that we're trustworthy, all that. Build everything together, step three, and then gain approval should be ridiculously easy if we do those other things in front of it. So your your (laughs) thoughts, I mean, you've studied this stuff a ton and you've got your own brain assessments and things. What are your thoughts about all that? Well, you know, but I have not applied it to this realm and I find this stuff so fascinating and that's such a brilliant framework because, um, you know, a lot of this for me, like for example, the create curiosity one is, is the most interesting because mm-hmm. when you create curiosity, you're, um, you're, you're sort of in this like pre-sales process where your goal really is you're trying to illustrate this is the way i interpret what you said so please correct things that i may use the wrong language for because i know language is very critical here but ultimately we're creating curiosity around the areas that we can provide value so it's like instead of me coming out and saying like i can oh great you need i listened and then and then that's where people kind of lose the plot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they kind of they kind of yeah. listen and then they immediately go, oh, well, I have one of those and I have someone who can help with this and I have someone who can help with that. And then they get kind of right back into that mode of, of selling and being a little too direct. But your word choice is so unique here. Create curiosity. It's almost like we're we're dangling it. We're 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 sort of uh, teasing it and we're saying. Uh, you know, hey, you mentioned, um, you know, the cryptocurrency space. I actually know, you know, Anthony Pomp, like, you know, he's a friend of a friend of mine, like maybe he can help you out and find some world-class people for that position that you mentioned is vacant right now. Like, I'd be happy to make that introduction. So for me, I also look at that Craig Curiosity um, sort of phase as and i and i wonder where you inject this into your overall process but for me one of the things i've done without having a framework again i haven't had access to this framework before is like just genuine authentic friendship building relationship building because like that's ultimately and even so much of what you and i like our relationship is just starting so let's just use that as an example like i'm sure through this conversation i'm going to uncover so many ways that I can help you. You did it early on by saying, would you like access to that framework? So there's so many ways in which we can help each other in a genuine way that is creating curiosity and adding value. That's why to me, the whole process becomes very simple because it's it's not, there's no ulterior motives. It's very important to not have the ulterior motives. And that's where people get caught up, I've noticed, is that they go from that stage of like, okay, I'm, I'm following a framework, I'm supposed to listen. And then all of a sudden they go back into that scarcity mode. I need this deal. I need this relationship. I need this person to say yes. And they move away from that place of just wanting to provide value of who they know, what they know, what they can do. And they go back into what's in it for me. And that's where it falls apart. <laughs> yes. Yes. I got, well, you asked for feedback. I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> I, I just, a couple builds or nuancey things that, that the audience might love. Mm-hmm. Everything you said is spot on. So if we're in that listen and learn phase and we're asking some really thoughtful questions, you know, we've got a ton of them in our book, the snowball system in our training, grow big training. 
but but all it takes is is getting the person to to um, share their personal perspective. So questions like, well, gosh, what's your number one priority as you as you move forward on X over the next six months? You know, mm-hmm. share that with me. Maybe there's some ways I can help. So things that that provide their personal perspective are the best kind of questions. As they're talking about those things, a great way to shift from listen and learn to create curiosity, a first to second step we talked about, is to use the phrase, would it be helpful if? And you just like, you, you were just mm-hmm. hinting right at, you're standing right at this exact phrase, but we've tested a bunch of them. We find, would it be that. helpful if I blank gets a yes the most often? It's so much more powerful than do you want me to? A lot of times if you'd ask something like that, it, the people say, oh yeah, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But would it be a lift just softens the offer so much. Um, so if you, if I was working with a client, we work with a lot of consulting firms, uh, law firms, lots of professional services, outsources like big healthcare companies. If I was working with somebody and they said they had a priority, I would be very specifically looking for ways that I can say, would it be helpful if I blank? And sometimes what's in the blank should be clearly an unpaid thing because mm. that builds so much trust. If I'm offering to do things on at, at no charge and that'll take time and an introduction to somebody, a, a sharing of a video, a, a metric somebody else used for that success, successful engagement, whatever. And then if I also can blend in some, well, gosh, would it be helpful if we discussed how we helped another client solve that exact thing? You know, we had great results. They they spent about X and got 10X out of it, or it only took six months. Or, you know, if I can just start to seed some curiosity, mm-hmm. maybe through metrics or process steps or relationships um, about how we might be able to talk about what we do, well, that's a good one too. And if we can have three or four would it be helpful ifs while we're asking a bunch of questions about their priorities, getting their priorities yeah. in their words, then pretty soon they'll move to step two. They'll go, hey, can you can you tell me about that, that introduction mm-hmm. you mentioned? Sue sounds like somebody I'd love to meet. How, would that be hard? Can we do that? Boom. Now we're talking about, now we're There's creating momentum curiosity. there. Yeah. yeah. And they yeah. ask for it. So right. does, that, does that make sense? And Oh, um, so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love, I love that phrase. Would it be helpful if, yeah. I mean, who doesn't want help? <laughs> yeah, right, right. When people, and people read our book sometimes and they'll call on us and they'll use our own methodology on oh, us. Oh, nice. And we'll go, nice. I'll, like, I'll like say, oh, wow, Sally, that was great and it felt good. Yes, I would love to meet so-and-so or whatever. So it's yeah. the, beauty, the beauty of this approach is you can actually call it out while you're doing it. And the other side laughs and says, this feels great. Like, isn't that cool? So different. It's so cool. So different than what we're used to night and day. And so what have, are there any sort of stories that stand out to you, whether they're from your own organization or clients you've worked with who've utilized the framework where they were like surprised by, you know, the new deal flow or a specific deal. Does anything like that stand out to you? If you don't have one, it's okay. But I'm curious oh. if there's any stories like that. Well, I have a million of them. We work okay, with cool. um, <laughs> when, <laughs> one comes to mind and, and I'll tell, I'll tell an individual story and then I'll share the, the group results. But we started with a major consulting firm, big brand, one of the top couple in the world. You, everybody would know who they are. And uh, we were working with our pilot group there. We had nine partners and nine pre-partners, they call them principals, but they're they're right before they make partners. Mm-hmm. Some of the smartest people in the world, like literally best, you know, MBA schools, scientists, PhDs, like really nice collegial people as well. 
So in in that class, I'll tell you one incremental story and then wrap up with the with the whole group impact. But one person said in the middle of the class, "Wow, I I just had a major unlock." He said, "I've been thinking about business development like a tennis match. Like if I send something to somebody or we have one meeting, there's an outreach from me." I can only respond when they reach out back. And he goes, I just realized it's not that. I need to be continuously, proactively being helpful to everybody in my ecosystem, especially the top, mm. you know, the biggest impact folks. That was just one insight across 18 people in, in mm. six month process. But it was insight after insight after insight about how uh, this is about being proactive it's about being authentic, a word you used before I wrote down, I love that. It's about building trust. It's about creating curiosity for commercial ways we can help people, but doing it all along the way, yeah. whether we get feedback or not. We're divorcing ourselves from the outcome. Mm. We just keep being helpful. And if we do that, we get our egos out of the way, whether somebody replied to an email or not. Don't worry about wow. that. We divorce ourselves from the outcome and we keep being helpful. The results happen. And in that group, 18 people, half of which weren't even partner yet, so they didn't have commercial goals. Uh, they brought in over $25 million in a seven-month period that they wow. specifically attributed to the, to the training. So it's the, it's the culmination of all these individual insights and, and revelations that happen that in a very short time can just be game-changing from a results perspective. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> so... Divorcing yourself from the outcome. Why? What do you think that really does to the well, whole process? Man, I think that's a huge key one. It really stands out to me. It does me too. And uh, I think what I think in the end, Armand, like many times we're our own worst enemy. We, mm. we, we meet somebody that could be valuable through a reference or we've met at a conference or on a Zoom happy hour or whatever. Somehow we meet somebody and... We know that we can be helpful to them. We know that, wow, they could be a big client of ours. That's how we might think of it, right? And, and maybe we send one outreach. They don't reply back. We quit. Maybe we try a second time three months later. We quit. But that's not the right approach. The right approach is to continuously add value. The old sales way, we're doing air quotes again like we are doing before, is like, the follow-up in one, one direct way through one medium. I'll send you an email offering an uh, introductory meeting with a person at our company. And then if I don't get that, I'll follow up on that exact email thread. Hey, yeah. checking to see if you got my email. And like 20 steps down the line, you're like, hey, checking up to see if you got yeah. my email, about my email, about my email, about my email. That's exactly that, right. That's horrible, right? That's the yeah. bad sales thing we've been air quoting. The good way is to try once, and then try again, and then try again. But but maybe the first time's an email, maybe the second time's an offer to um, uh, to be introduced to somebody that that relates to a conversation you had before. Yeah. Maybe the third time is is we'll we'll send them a physical book, just say, hey, thought of you, uh, thought you'd really love this new one by my favorite author. It really relates back to that quick conversation we had three months ago. Um, the fourth one, maybe we're going to interview them for some research we want to do. We're going to put them up on a pedestal, completely unrelated to the other things. But if mm. we keep adding value over time, trust is built. We break down the barrier that we're trying to be pushy, um, salesy, if you will, air quotes. And we just can, if we continue to divorce ourselves from the outcome, and we do that with relationship after relationship, 
we'll have success. Yes. It's when we shut down because we just didn't get a response quite as fast as we wanted. It just doesn't work. Mm. Well, I have to tell you, uh, I could not agree with you more. Um, after having done it the wrong way for many years to now, I believe, doing it in a better way, I can tell you and tell everybody watching and listening that what you are talking about is one of the most important tools in my entire entrepreneurial business toolkit. Now, I really believe in the idea of adding value and in particular free uh, work or free whatever it might be, some sort of advice, connection with nothing required in return. Now, when I first left my job and I had to figure out, because when, you, when you're doing business development at a job, you just, you're very process driven until yep. you've had this kind of training, <laughs> yep. very process driven. And it's that kind of bad old sales style, right? You're just doing the follow-ups and trying to close deals. You have a quota, you got to hit the quota and yep. you don't realize that actually you can way exceed the quota by this counterintuitive approach until, until, until you have the opportunity to learn it. But I learned the hard way after I uh, basically went off on my own and I started attending these conferences, Mo, and being like, all right, well, I got to learn about digital marketing. I got to learn about the internet. I got to learn about blogging, vlogging, podcasting. I'm going to go to all these conferences and connect with people. A couple times, more than a couple times, I found myself at a dinner or standing somewhere. And then all of a sudden, a famous, influential type person is all of a sudden introduced to me. And then here's young, naive inexperienced Armand and what does he do and what does everybody do by the way and people do it to me all the time they go okay this person has this this and this that is a value to me and I want that so they have an outcome that they are not they are extremely married to <laughs> yeah. so I would sit there and meet people and go like I remember the very first one that I really messed up it was like a guy I had a, I had a, one of my first projects that I ever did as an entrepreneur was I created a course, created a course on email productivity and efficiency and saving time. Yeah. And there was this guy who was a productivity guru who could be an affiliate. Some people know that means like a referral partner for my yeah. course. All I wanted was for him to promote my course. That's what I wanted. I'm like, oh my God, that'll make me you know, six figures alone just on him promoting it. My approach was so bad and so hungry and just, so, I mean, I like, it was like being on a really bad date. <laughs> like, and, 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 the, and the guy or the girl is trying to close you like immediately yeah. and take you home. I was like, can I get your number? And, and he just looked at me and was like, for, for what? Like, I don't know you. And I remember just in that moment, like still being a little too naive to realize, I was like, oh, you know, man, we'll just follow up. We'll help each other out. And he's like, but how are you going to help me? Like, you don't even know me. You don't know what I, you don't know what I need. I had not done any listening. I had not been curious. I was all me, me, me. Yeah. And so fast forward now, you know, um, after having been embarrassed and learned the hard way, you know, some of my best friends are some of the most influential people in the world. And I've never made a dollar off them. I've never asked them for a thing. Not a thing. 
and I continue to just pour value into their lives, send them books, help them out with copywriting, there look at go. their business plans. And these are people that if I had met, you know, 10 years ago, I would be like, oh my God, I got to get, you know, so-and-so to, to, to promote me, to put me on his podcast, to do whatever. I, I couldn't agree more with that approach. And so it's, it's patience. It's looking at life as a much longer game in a, and I know this word is a bit of a platitude for sure, but in an abundant way, knowing that like, if I just show up and deliver and continue to stay curious and continue to kind of show them what I can do, it all works out. And long story short, I would not be where I am today if it were not for these relationships. They've, they've, I've never asked for anything, but guess what? They do things for me. Because there's this reciprocity, right? It's like uh, most of the incredible success that I've had, this external worldly success, is due to being referred by these friends. Like, for example, to really make it clear for people, I'll give you one example. I was on the cover of Founder Magazine, and then Founder asked me to do this course. The only reason that that happened is because Neil Patel, the marketing guru, told Nathan Chan, the CEO founder, that Armand is the absolute best at what he does. He's the person you should talk to. So then Nathan was like, all right, well, my work is done. That was like as vetted as I possibly can ever get from Neil Patel saying this is the best copy marketer he's ever worked with. So cool, that's the guy. It skipped all the BS that we would have normally gone through. And the next thing you know, Nathan's like, I wanna do this for you, this for you, this for you. So I share this story from my side because I could not agree more with your methodology and your approach. And I think it's brilliant because nobody's teaching this stuff. Well, in gosh, your story was so great. And that, so it, it's so cool that we have these, these experiences where something didn't work. Cause that's where we really realized yes. like, okay, I gotta try, I gotta try something new. And um, that whole, that, like just to everything you said about proactively investing in other people and, and always giving first, reciprocity, all the things you talked about are spot on. And the thing we can, we can add one thing to that. So I'll, please, I'll like, always add. Okay yeah. <laughs> oh no, please. Yeah. So here's, here's the thing. What we find is there's two big ways to create demand. One is through relationships. And it is by being crazy about how you prioritize your time, who you invest in, who you go deep with, all like that ecosystem you've built. Like when your book is going to launch, you're going to have insane blurbs and people that want to promote it to others. You're not even going to have to ask, right? Because you've got this amazing uh, high profile ecosystem of folks with a lot, big platforms, lots of influence, and just, just sharing that you're writing the book are going to make people want to help promote mm -hmm. it. I've already offered, like, I want to help you because I like you, mm -hmm. right? So that's creating sort of a, a relationship advantage, creating demand through relationships. There are times when it makes sense to speed things up. So mm -hmm. say I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I've got, um, I've got 20, a list of 20 clients that I'm allowed to call on. Well, it, I've, I've got this really finite universe mm -hmm. that I can call on and sort of this idea of just adding value and hoping things will happen. It might not move fast enough. We still want to do everything you and I talked about, but sometimes you need more of a direct line of sight. Yes, yes. So, that, so there's our new topic. And that's what we call creating demand through our expertise. So we can go, let's go, well, I'll describe something and then we'll go back and play through how, how it could have worked with that influencer you wanted to be mm -hmm, able to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so when we wanna have a little shorter line of sight to, to winning some work, 
We can create demand through our expertise. We call that our give to get method. So early stage relationships are fraught with lack of trust. Who are you? I don't know how you can help me. All the stuff you shared, right? That's what yeah. we're all thinking it. Yeah. We were right. fortunate that person actually shared it with you. A lot of times they go, yeah, sure. And yeah, he was direct. He number. was direct. Yeah, <laughs> it was right. good That's for good. me. It was good. It's good, yeah. right? Yeah, he yeah. could have given his number, but accidentally got one digit wrong or you know, yeah. something like that. So when we want to use the give to get method, method I'm sure you're um, familiar with Dr. Robert Cialdini's six six things of six elements of influence mm -hmm. i would guess great book your, wonderful yeah. book yeah yeah it's amazing with your copywriting all your expertise i'm sure you would have known it so the the six things for our listeners um, and watchers are likability reciprocity scarcity authority social proof and commitment those six things influence our hu human mind as laid out by dr robert chalnita at arizona state more than anything else well, the give to get method says, hey, if I can make an offer to someone and if I can design the experience to be able to be helpful to them using my expertise, not generically helpful in any way, but in this case, specifically what I'm hired to do, um, I could do it in a way that hits all six. Hmm. And so it can look like this. Hey, Mr. Mrs. Uh, VIP. I, I, I noticed you're here at the conference or I, you know, a friend told me about you, whatever. I would love to earn the right to get to know you. And what I'm doing here, Amon, is so sidebar, is mm -hmm. I'm trying to be very, um, very transparent and authentic in the approach. So yeah. I'd like to earn the right to get to know you, whatever. Um, I would like to offer a little bit of my expertise on my time. Our session, something that's time limited, it's not mm -hmm. forever, it's not your unpaid intern for a summer, <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know, some pre-work in like an hour session, something like that. And we can hit all six areas of influence with a give to get if we hit the first two, which are real easy, likability and reciprocity, the very fact that we're sort of offering mm. our expertise and doing it on our dime, we typically going to trigger those two. Almost everybody gets that in a give to get. The next two are a little tougher, scarcity and authority. We want to make an offer that, that truly doesn't exist everywhere. So most people right. shoot themselves on the foot on this one. They'll go, oh, it's no big deal if I reviewed all the copywriting on your website or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, it is a big deal. So we actually, people want it less if we say it's not a big deal. So for scarcity, we want to say, I've never, if it's authentic, I've, I've never offered this much before, but I'd really like to learn from you and I'd be willing to do X, whatever the scarcity. With the authority, we're going to, we're probably going to trigger that because we're going to show our, our depth of content, our goods, our, you know, what we know when we deliver whatever analysis, report, whatever we're going to deliver. So those are our middle two. The mm -hmm. last two are key, social proof and commitment. With social proof, if there's other decision makers that should be there, we should ask for them to attend the readout, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the person's CMO, their, their copywriter, their web designer, whatever it is. Um, if I'm the lawyer, it would be the general counsel, the CFO, somebody like that. And then the last one, commitment. This is the key. Almost everybody misses it. If we give an hour, some analysis up front, and then we spend an hour with this VI person we're, we're trying to learn, this is our give to get session. What most people do is they try to go, they want to talk really fast and almost like pack three or four hours of content in one hour. Right. But, but to do so, we, we remove our ability to shape the future commitment, the, la the sixth of the six things. So we're way better off 
adding like 45 minutes of value in the one hour meeting and then mm-hmm. saying, hey, let's this would be at the beginning. Hey, I'm going to I've got a lot to cover, but let's let's make sure we save 15 minutes at the end to talk about next steps. Mm-hmm. So if we pack 45 minutes of value, we can leave them wanting more, so to speak, add a ton of value in the process. They're elated by whatever we we, we showed mm-hmm. with our expertise and we're there to figure out what's next, which hopefully is us getting hired or some type yes. of affiliate relationship or whatever. So yes. that was maybe too long-winded, Armand, but- that No, was, no, I, I, it's yeah, so valuable. All, all of this is so valuable. So I'm curious because where a lot of people stumble, um, I think we've all you know had to, either we've learned this or we still are learning it, is that transition from I'm adding and giving and providing value to closing. This is yeah. where people panic and their whole personality and demeanor changes. What is the best way to do that in that conversation of one hour of free consulting, you know, and then all of a sudden it's time and you're, you're at the last 15 minutes. How do we transition in a way where we don't all of a sudden become overly eager or nervous or whatever it might be? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you two big tips, and and the second tip sort of has some things to it. So there's some sub points. <laughs> the the number one tip is we've got to be there in person or on video. We got to see each other. Mm-hmm. So some research out of Cornell and Western University, which is in Canada, found that a face to face ask was 34 times more likely to get a yes than an email ask. <laughs> Not percent, but times. That's oh the difference between I got a two out of hundred chance email. I yeah. got a 68 out of 100 chance in person or on face to face. So we that's why we need to be there for the 15 minutes. So the number one thing is just bring it up <laughs> while you're there. Right? Mm. Leave some time, right? So that's thing one. Most people don't, they 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 pack too much value, they they're too nice, they want to mm-hmm. think, oh, they'll call me if they if they're interested. No, they, it's too confusing. People don't yes. know what to hire you for. So spend that first 45 minutes adding massive value transition to next steps and say, um, you know, what most of our clients do here is they actually hire us for a little assessment. It costs X, it delivers Y, it takes Z weeks to do. You may want to do it, you may not, but I can honestly and transparently, I can see that we're going to add at least 20X value if we do that kind of thing. What do you think? So you just make it really Simple. easy and clear. Make yeah. it easy and clear. Um, that's thing one. Thing two, four steps to an incremental yes. Cover the high-level approach, cover the high-level timeline, cover the high-level team, and cover the high-level finances. And if we can get into a little discussion around at least the first couple of those in that 15 minutes at the end, the close at the end, the yes at the end is easy because those four incremental yeses get us there. What's the approach? Do we need High end, can we do quick and dirty? That kind of stuff. Given that, what's the timeline? Given that, who's the team? Given that, what's the price? And if we can guide a client through those four questions, they're, 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 a lot of times they'll drag us to the close instead yeah. of us trying to be a nag. Helpful? Right. So helpful. So another sticky area is price. And I don't know if you specifically talk about this in your work, but I'm curious even if you have a personal take on it is, I'm often, we're often all hesitant to, um, you know, you, you, you have that desire, you want the deal. And if you're certain people, you're at a point where you're charging a lot. 
Yep. And at times you're really not sure what the budget of that person is. And there's a weird sticking point where you know what you deserve. A lot of people are in this stage where they're like, they know what they deserve, but another client or another deal would be nice, but they kind of have an opportunity cost that they have to play with. <laughs> so it's that sticky point where like, they probably would discount it if only they knew what the other person was willing to pay and so on and so forth. Do you have any advice and thoughts around just, just pricing and things like that in general? Oh man, I do. Um, I'll talk mindset and science on this one. We got a whole chapter on this or like three fourths of a chapter in the snowball system, seven mental heuristics. We need to know that are in our clients heads when it comes to talking about wow. money so that we actually talk about it in the right way, but yeah. the mindset and science that we can cover here in this time mindset is, you know, we talked about those four incremental yeses, the, the general approach, you know, highbrow or quick and dirty, the timing, the team and the, in the terms or the money. I, from mindset perspective, I, 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 we, we try to teach people, think about how you talk about your team. Think about how you talk about the process. Think about how easily you talk about the approach. Hey, can you do it this way? Can you do that? Well, no, we can't do this. We do that. It's confident. It's calm. You know your stuff. Um, you know that the work can be done in six weeks, but, but not five, you know, things like that. And you just talk real calmly about it. We want to talk that calmly for the fourth yes the money. Mm -hmm. So what's helpful for mindset is for people to think about how would you, how calmly and confidently would you talk about the timing and what can and can't be done? Just have that same demeanor when it comes to money. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the mindset on the science. We probably don't have time to go through all seven mental heuristics. Um, but the one that I think can be really helpful in this situation is to use a three option technique. Um, so if you've, you've done the analysis, you think you know what the client needs, maybe you're not totally sure, show them a good, better, best option. Where, where, where good is solid, like you're proud of it. It would work. It's not mm -hmm. as good as better or best, but it would work. Then go to better that everything in better is in good, um, but it costs a little more. And the value is noticeably higher per dollar. And then best is like, you know, when you're a quick trip or your local, uh, your local, uh, uh, like five and dime and they've got that best value for the really big drink you can get, you know, Yes. you do your math and you're like, man, it's only a few cents more to, to get like twice the volume. You right. want that kind of feeling with the best approach. And then by walking a client through a good, better, best, that can take some of the emotion out of it. Cause now you're just, mm -hmm. now it's not, this is the price and you're not confident. Like, now yes it's or like, no. Hey, yeah. things. Let's talk about it. I'd personally probably choose the, the middle option, but you might want this or that one, whatever it is to authentically talk about. And then you just get back. Then you just start talking about the trade-offs and it mm -hmm. takes, it makes it easier to talk about money when, when you've got three options, then I think when there's one and it feels like you're going to get it or you're not. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's so good. So, Another area where the other person, you know, it's kind of similar to your email example, talking to the person over email versus talking to them uh, face to face yep. people, when it comes to that point where the offer has been made, um, and they need, or they believe that they need time space to think, or really what they're doing is they're removing themselves from the face to face interaction because they know once they lose you, they can lose you. They can go dark. Do you recommend trying to, you know, get that deposit, get, get the credit card, whatever it might be, like make the transaction happen in that conversation, 
or is it a follow-up conversation or what might it be? Because what I've often had, especially in the past is I'll move to email, be like, here's the deck, here's the strategy plan, here's the options. And then they're like, great, you know, okay, give me two days. And then hasta la vista, man, they're, they're gone. Like, you know, email, follow up. Hey, let's jump on a call to go through it again. And they're like, oh man, maybe next quarter. You know, <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Our mantra around it, it's a great question. All your questions are so good. Um, clearly you've done this podcast thing a lot because I'm, I'm not a lot in the questions aren't that great. So <laughs> these are really great. So the mantra we use here is what we call ask for the advance. So we, what we don't say is ask for the business. And the reason we don't do that is it's very rare. You'd actually ask for the business. That's the last step. And sometimes a hundred, you know, little interactions, a lot of very yeah. small advances, if you will, but we can always ask for the advance. So if we get to the uh, in this this meeting we've been playing through this one hour meeting where we we did a little bit on our dime for 45 minutes, we're talking about next steps. It's clear they're interested, but maybe they're not sure which one of three options they want to go with. And let's say they want to convene with their team to see all that is a really that could happen. Right. That it might not always happen that way, but that's one. The advance we could ask for the next for the at the end of that call with about five minutes left. We don't want to go all the way to the time. So we want to have some time. We might say, hey, um, it sounds like you and Sue and JD want to get together to talk about this. That totally makes sense. Would it be helpful for us to schedule our next call? Like, How long will it take for all three of you to sort of get together? Mm-hmm. And why don't we just get the next call in the books now? Because it'll take, you know, you've seen it, it takes forever to email each other and figure out a time that works. Even if it's tentative, why don't we open up our outlooks, pick our next call, maybe in a week or two, and then we've got it on the books. We don't have anything to worry about. Well, boom, there's an advance we can ask for. So what we're teaching is always figure out what the next helpful thing is, ask for that, for the more important things, do it eyeball to eyeball, and then you've Mm -hmm. always got the next step. If they say, you know, let's not worry about that right now, that's okay too. Maybe they're not as interested as we thought. You can follow up on email. So true. But if if they're interested, they'll go, you know what, that's a great idea. How do you like New Likes Thursday? You know, Susie's out on vacation the weekend. I'd love to have it by Friday. And it just gets the next step going all the time, no matter what it is when you're when you're asking for the next step in the process. Yeah, I've I've definitely experimented with that one. It's so valuable. Um, always kind of planning the next step is huge because otherwise you really you really do lose them. If you had a very big deal, a very important deal in front of you. Uh, or just an important opportunity. Do you fly out for it? And I know there's pre-COVID, post-COVID type uh, thinking around this. But did you do you tend to believe that it's important to be flesh to flesh, flesh to flesh, face to face, or is Zoom at this point for people in business development or sales good enough? I think Zoom's good enough, and and the time savings it gives you is is immense. Yeah, the time um, savings is incredible. And yeah. I hear a lot of people are getting on their calendars where they didn't used to because a meeting yeah. might have been like a chunk of the day and they got to leave the office, go meet for lunch or whatever it might be. But now it's like you're just a time slot on somebody's calendar. It, yeah. It's a bit of a trade-off though, right, Mo? Because yeah. it's like the 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 constraint of the time on the calendar has worked against me in the sense that if we were in person and we were talking about some kind of deal, it's like we might have a drink or dinner or whatever, and it might go longer than we had planned. And that's sometimes nice too. But it sounds like you really think for most cases, this this is good enough. I do. And to your point, I think I think there are exceptions. There could be a, 
uh, to have a client uh, relationship that could make your whole career. You know, and maybe there's a there's a project that would start it off, and it's the perfect project for for you. Boy, get on a plane. You know, go have go go get a working session with whiteboards. Get everybody vaccinated, hopefully, or a negative test right before, and like work it out for a half a day. You know, when we're talking about really big kind of engagements, mm-hmm. that kind of thing can be really really worth it. But I think I think in the old in the pre in the old days in pre COVID. Um, I used to be, gosh, I would hit diamond on Delta. I live in Atlanta. So I would hit diamond, which is their oh, highest wow. thing. Yeah. I'd hit it in July for the next year. <laughs> so I would be like on a double diamond pace, flying around the world, working with clients, yeah. live sessions. And um, I've only flown like three times in the last 18 months. And I think they were, well, all of them <laughs> were for family. <laughs> yeah. So in our businesses, beat expectations every year since then. So hmm. I think I think now my at least my standard for getting on a plane is a much, much, much higher bar than it was before COVID started. And it's not even close. Are you personally happier this way? Like just not flying around the world? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That friction of travel, man. It just yeah. eats up your body, your brain and all that. I tell my I think I tell my wife every night when I when I do my commute and I walk 10 feet that way to the main house. <laughs> <laughs> and I transition over about three seconds. Um, I just tell every night I'm like, man, I was, I'm glad I wasn't on a plane today. Is it Did same you, with you? Are you? Uh, yeah, you? it is. But there's, there's one like nuance there where I like to be around people and I've, yeah. I need, I need to get back in like some sort of office setting at least just for my daily. But when it comes to flying around, I totally agree. There has to be huge. It's got to be really important. Otherwise, most of my travels just been for fun. You know, I've been working remotely for, you know, a decade now already. So I'm very used to this. All of the companies that I've started and ran have been distributed remote working companies. So I'm, I'm already, you know, kind of like adapted and, and ready for it. COVID just kind of accelerated this for, for all of us, which is great because now we get the technology and the tools that are yep. now speeding up as well um, to really make it much easier for everybody. So I, I really do think it's great. And and like I was saying, my brother's actually in business development sales at um, Twilio. And um, you know he's talking about his inability to get on people's calendars before and get a meeting in person. And you know now deal flow is up, meetings are up, close rate is up, everything has improved as a result of this. So I think there's, there's overall, it's much more of a net positive effect overall. Um, so Mo, when it comes to kind of like, you obviously have this incredible book, the snowball effect, which I will absolutely link to for people and uh, get it in front of them beyond that. And we'll say snowball system, just in case. Oh, I'm so sorry. Note. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I have it right in front of me too. I don't know why I said that. It's, um, all right. it's all right. So we'll link to it for everybody. I yeah. highly recommend everybody checks it out. Beyond that, in what ways are you engaging with clients or looking to engage with people? What does that look like for you guys right now as an organization? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk about it corporately and individually. So corporately we're delivering our programs every day all over the world. I've, I had a, I, gosh, I had 50 people on a program early this morning, mostly North American and Europe because it was in the morning and we'll hit the same organization and all over Asia pack tonight at six o'clock my time early and early tomorrow, their time for Australia, New Zealand, China, Japan, and things like that. We're kicking off a global program where uh, one of the top professional service organizations in the world, we're helping them do client planning better. 
you know, using all of our systems and tools and techniques. Super cool work. So our ability to engage on a global basis now is much better than it even was before. Hmm. All the friction of travel isn't there, all that cost savings. And we're doing our full growth training with all clients all the time. Like it's busier now than it's ever been. Hmm. On an individual basis, um, if anybody wants to interact with us, our, we, have a, we have about half a dozen gratis programs that are email-based, videos, worksheets, like really valuable training programs. I'd probably steer people to, based on our conversation today, to bdhabits.com. So B okay. for business, D for development. bdhabits.com is an incredible course that teaches people the right business development habits. It, it covers some of the stuff we cover about here. Mm-hmm. But I think you and I went deeper on a few things that was really valuable. So it's, it's aligned, but, but broader. And it tells somebody exactly what they need to manage their opportunities, create the business they want, to manage their relationships, deepen the relationships that they want, and to manage themselves. So even if they're really busy, they stay on top of the growth skill set and don't just do the work. They they also work on growing the business. So bdhabits.com would be a great resource for any individual that, that wants to dive into all this more. Brilliant. You're so full of value. So many just absolute gems of information and you're even giving out more digital value as well, which I expect <laughs> nothing, nothing less. I really, really appreciate this. It's been awesome, awesome conversation, Mo. Thank you well, so much. Well, and I'm going to promote this to our audience too, Armand, because like usually when I'm on podcasts, we sort of talk about the same things over yeah. and over. But yeah. your questions were so unique that I think um, this is a new little different perspective for our audience. So I thank I you. Yeah, I try. Yeah. I try to relate it to, you know, my own experience where I can and, and kind of avoid some of the more cookie cutter questions that people ask on podcasts. Yeah. And look at this in a in a more way where we just really did flow together and kind of have a conversation about this incredible, valuable topic that you happen to be an expert in. So um, I, I love this stuff. And it just comes from that genuine place of actually enjoying it and loving because I know it's life changing. It's life changing yeah. to the to the business owner. It's life changing to the individual. And it's like yeah. this stuff has helped me a lot. So I will make sure to include links to your socials and your website and everything in the show notes for people listening. Also, one other thing for people listening and watching, I want to give away one of the copies of your book. Yeah. So this is what we'll do. Um, all they need to do, all you need to do is go leave a review for the podcast about this episode, telling people what you got, like what's the number one thing you got out of this episode with Mo, and I'll pick someone and we'll Amazon a book over to you. So just a little gift for people watching and listening. So thank you so much, Mo. I really appreciate your time. You know what, Armand? I'll, I'll one-up you um, and help you do the same thing. Um, let's not only send the book to them, mm-hmm. but I will donate. And I'm doing this right off the cuff, live, as we okay. record this. So it's sort of fun for the listeners and the watchers. But um, I'll also donate to that same person a free invitation to our marquee training class. It's called Grow Big Training. It takes three days. It will teach every single skill somebody needs to be great at business development usually costs $4,060. They're done virtually. And why don't I gift that to you so you can gift to the person that that you want? (laughs) Wow. That, I mean, are you kidding me? That's life-changing for somebody. So, I mean, if that's you and this stuff is up your alley and you think it would help you, 
I recommend writing a nice review so it gets my attention and we'll pick you for the book and, and for the training. So yeah, no, that's it. incredible. That's incredible. I'll be thrilled. And whoever, whoever gets chosen, I'll have a personal call with you. We'll, we'll like talk about getting ready for the training. It is it, seriously, it'll teach every single skill you need to be great at growth. This is what we've rolled out wow. to 20,000 high-end professionals all over the world. And we'll give it to you. Phenomenal. A man of uh, a man of his true. Uh, <laughs> he acts. He walks the talk. I love it. We try to drink it. our own champagne. Yeah. Oh. I love <laughs> yeah. It's why not? Why? Why drink it. sugary Kool Aid when you can drink champagne? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Awesome. All right, man. Thank you so much. That's a wrap. <laughs>